Will you pray with me? Holy One, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be, be pleasing to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> December 21st, 2022, Zach and I attended the longest night National Homeless Memorial Service in person here in Pottstown at Christ Episcopal Church. This tradition, dating back more than a decade, is a Pottstown-wide worship service on the longest night of the year, where we honor and we remember members and friends of the homeless community who passed away in the past year. Zach and I sat in the pews with a sanctuary full of people from the community to pray, to listen for God's voice, and to speak the names of those beloveds who had gone before us, tolling the bell in their honor. Now last year was a very interesting year in our community. You might know that. Concerning our neighbors who are facing homelessness. This is not. For decades, people in our community have been doing their best to provide shelter from the cold for folks without a home. And the last three years intensified the danger for folks who were living outside. Not only was the spread of COVID-19 a danger, but it also became more difficult to acquire needed items for survival because everyone was being directed to stay home from work, from school, even from our church buildings. But what if you didn't have a home? Immediate access to food. Facilities to go to the bathroom or to take a shower. Attaining these things became even more difficult and our communities weren't even seeing folks who were extra vulnerable because everyone was at home. Out of sight, out of mind. And this wasn't something that I had recognized until a friend pointed it out. Fortunately, an organization in the community, Pottstown Lift, now Beacon of Hope, partnered with St. Al's Parish to provide an emergency warming center for these neighbors during the first two years of the pandemic. But St. Al's could only host for two years. So last year, Beacon of Hope partnered with a local UCC church here in town, St. Paul's, to offer a warming center in the evenings from November to April. As many of you know, it was an incredibly uh, tumultuous winter filled with a lot of public pushback and dissension. There was ongoing conflict throughout the entire season, both socially with neighbors who were upset about these efforts, as well as ongoing conflict with borough government, zoning protocols, and legal issues. During this entire ordeal, several of us in the various faith communities in Pottstown attended borough council meetings to speak in favor of Beacon of Hope and their efforts to care for our most vulnerable neighbors. And after most of those meetings, what would leave me most disheartened wasn't necessarily the ongoing battles in the government, but rather hearing the ways that folks would speak about the guests in the warming center calling them names that I won't repeat, and other dehumanizing terms, further marginalizing 
these neighbors and placing blame on them for things like trash and crime. So last year's longest night service seemed to carry a different weight to me than it has in past years. The sanctuary was filled with maybe the most diverse crowd I have ever worshipped with. Folks like Zach and I and our clergy callers, faithful churchgoers from Christ Episcopal and various faith communities across the borough, people who were currently experiencing homelessness, people who were just getting out of experiencing homelessness, and people who were working alongside people who were experiencing homelessness. It was a racially, economically, and socially diverse group of people. I imagine it was politically diverse. I imagine anything that uh, could polarize us were present. And we gathered to proclaim that each life lost was known and beloved by God. Each life mattered. To God and to us, we spoke their names, which many people haven't. <laughs> we don't always know our neighbors, do we? And we honored their lives, and we offered them back to God from whom they came. It was sobering, sorrowful, and so very holy. God was present with us, and we were with each other. No distinction among one another. All of us children of God. And it was stunningly beautiful. The longest night of the year, the winter solstice, the day when we experience the least amount of daylight and the most amount of darkness, is always right around December 21st every year. And while that day falls much closer to Christmas than it does to the beginning of Advent, the tone of the longest night feels much more fitting to today's readings to me. They are gloomy. They're foreboding. They're catastrophic. And we only have one little candle lit on our Advent wreath. The candle of hope. The amount of light that we let in this first Sunday is minimal, but it is far from significant, insignificant. The local and global events of the last several weeks, and really much farther back than that, make it seem more and more understandable that we start Advent with the heavy and the burdensome rather than the exuberant joy and celebration. Such a stark contrast to the hope that we long for. Because as commentator Patricia E. De Jong wrote, hope is what is left when your worst fears have been realized. And you are no longer optimistic about the future. Hope is what comes with a broken heart willing to be mended. We know something about that kind of darkness, don't we? With news of ongoing war and conflict all over the world, rampant gun violence, inequity of all kinds, more and more people struggling to make ends meet and on the edge of losing all they have, and local heartbreak, loss, pain, dissension, and infighting. 
It isn't difficult to get lost in the news cycles or to stay up at night worrying about what's next. And when we get consumed, and I say when we get consumed because I think we all do at different times, when we get consumed by that, hope feels really, really far away. However, when we get to that place, hope is what is left. Hope is left. Hope that things can get better. Hope that God will hear us. Hope that God will save us and dig us out of this awful mess. Hope that God will not leave us in our despair. The passage from Isaiah that Anne read earlier reminds us of this. The ancient words of the prophet reflect a people who were desperate for hope as well. This short passage is part of a much larger communal lament of a people situated in the middle of a devastating conquest by their enemies. Exiled from, from all that they once knew and held dear. They were shouting to God and really anyone who would listen. We are not okay. Things are not as they should be. Where are you, God? They were engaging in this ancient faith practice of lamentational prayer. Exasperated and crying out about what was happening all around them. Crying out to a God who knew they knew heard them. A God who had delivered their people in the past. In the heat of their lament, they even blamed God for their sin, <laughs> which I love. That if it hadn't been for God's anger, for God's retreat from them, they wouldn't have acted out. But that is the nature of lament. Grief and sorrow with fire behind it. Honest crying out that takes no care to filter out the raw messiness of the moment. Naming the, the pain and not pretending. Truth telling, even when it hurts. We literally have an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations. Praise be to God for the examples of our ancestors. So here on this first Sunday of Advent, we light this single light to illuminate the darkness with hope. We are invited to be present with hope, to stay awake and alert, not just to what is lurking in the dark, but to God's presence in the world. One of my favorite commentators, Debbie Thomas, offers a couple of really helpful suggestions on the how, because that's a great message, but how? How do we have hope in the midst of all of this? <clears throat> First, she encourages us to engage in the prayer of lamentation. To tell the truth about what is actually happening within and around us. To cry out, we need you. To ask, why are you silent? Or why won't you fix all of this? A lot of us feel those things, and they, we try to press them down because they feel too heavy. But maybe it's time that we join that great cloud of witnesses, of faith sojourners, and letting those things breathe. 
allowing God to enter into the mud and the muck with us. God is not afraid of our rawest selves as much as we would imagine. God has never been afraid of that. God who took on skin is big enough to hold all that we have got with us. Her second suggestion is that we wait. Advent is a season of waiting. We wait for the baby to come. We're waiting for the Messiah to come on the scene, waiting for God to deliver. We wait with Advent waiting, but we also wait with Christmas hope. For the coming of the day when God will reign on earth, not only in the birth, but when he returns again and all will be made new. Because the seasons of Advent and Christmas aren't just about the birth. We observe Advent and Christmas to remind us of the story of beginnings that took place long ago. To remind us that Jesus is mysteriously present with us now in the midst of all our brokenness, and that he will be present in the future. That day when Christ will return and his reign will come in its fullness. A day Jesus told, him, told us that none of us are going to know the day. We don't know when it's going to happen. But just to keep awake, keep alert, and do the work of God, which I have to argue includes sleeping, um, we can't do any of this without resting, without finding, um, finding what we need. Her last suggestion is that we open ourselves to waiting for the Jesus who really is. Like our ancestors, we all have our own ideas of who the Messiah is, who the God who saves us actually is. Many of Jesus' own people were expecting him to be a strong and mighty king, but then he came as a baby. Meek, vulnerable, needy, born into unlikely and very dangerous circumstances. That God, revealed in that way, is a God we can trust with the grittiness of the world. One that doesn't shy away from it, but Emmanuel, or God with us, entering directly into all of life's complexities. As Zach shared earlier, our theme for this year is the gift of presence. In each week, we are invited to be present with the gifts of Advent. This week, the gift of hope. As we do on the longest night of the year, we stay present to that which causes us to shrink in fear and grief. But we do so with hope, trusting that God is bigger than it all that God sees us, that God hears us, and that somehow all will be well. Even if we can't comprehend what that means now, or that it's even possible. We stand with one another, we pray, and we hold the light, even if it's just the little light that hope offers, and we wait. What does this stir up in you? Do you find it difficult to see the light? Do you find it difficult to hold up the light? How do you see yourself holding up the light in these days? This is an actual question, by the way. 
you are invited to respond. 